What up, what up, what up? What's happening, y'all? This is The Fire This Time. Episode 58. My name is Sonny Ture. And I'm Akita G. And we back again to get y'all that heat. We thank y'all for coming back to visit with us. Before, and like, before we get anything said, you know, always remember to like and share. You know what I'm saying? Go check out the past episodes, you know what I'm saying? And get a little flavor in your ear for the summertime. You know, we in the hot month of August, and yes, it is hot. We actually been having some cool days though lately here, so, you know what I'm saying? We know they're coming back. It's hurricane season, so, you know, I do it here. But, um, as usual, we're going to get into the show, pop it off, and get it started. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, uh, this week's fire... Uh, we're going to look forward to just a few days. Today is August 15th, but on August 17th, here on Black August, it is uh, Marcus Garvey's birthday. I shade of Garvey. I shade of Garvey. Why not? Maybe not uh, socialist or radical in the sense that, you know, George Jackson or others that kind of founded Black August. Mm-hmm. Still an important person. Very yeah. important person. Yeah. In the legacy of black nationalism, my key. You know, uh, you know. You know, sometimes considered to be the father of, you know, saying black nationalism and a pan-Africanism. Um, you know, this man right here, you know, laid down the foundations for the red, black and green, the RBG. You know, so um, we definitely got to show our love to him. Always remember him. And even in connection with that, you know, this is for, you know, Black August is for political prisoners and prisoners of war. And he definitely was a political prisoner. You know, he said in, uh, if I recall right, I know he said in Georgia prisons on mail fraud charges for about, I think, what, three years? Mm. Three, four years. So, you know what I'm saying? He was unjustly convicted by the system for trying to help his people um, and illegally deported. So, you know what I'm saying? Um, this man definitely fits into Black August and to have that noble birth on, 17, on the 17th, coming up in a couple of days. You know what I'm saying? He fits fitting into it. You know, we got to remember most of what we know, a lot of the United States come out that come out that Garvey movement, come out that UNIA came out of that inspiration and pride and self-dignity and respect that he gave black people around the world. Hey, without Garvey, we don't have no Malcolm X. Without Malcolm X, we probably ain't got no black power movement, no move towards black pride. Even I mean, we look towards the 1960s, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like. So that that legacy uh, from a man born in 1887 did his most, you know, was at his height in the 1910s, you know, uh, 1920s. And then I think he passed maybe in the 40s. In, okay, in the 40s. Yeah, I and, mean. And was going through a lot of turmoil and was on the de- decline, I guess, with, in terms of political significance in the 1930s. I mean, you know, shoot. we. I mean, shoot. When you think about it, you go beyond Malcolm. If it wouldn't been for no Garvey, it would have been no Elijah Muhammad. It would have been no Garvey, it would have been no Hebrew Israelites. If it would have been no Garvey, it would have been no Moore Science Temple. If it hadn't been no Garvey, yeah, you definitely got to go to the Black Nationalists in the 60s with Malcolm because you could take that right to Carlos Cooks. You could take that right to, and definitely in the Republic of New Africa and the New African Independence Movement, you can take Garvey all the way from... You know, Queen Mother Moore, you know, who was a member of the Garvey movement and the organizer in the Garvey movement. That trickles all the way down. So, you know what I'm saying? It's funny that most of the branches in the United States that's dealing with liberation, black power, and and, and um, 
and um, upliftment of our people can can run back to Garvey, you know. So um, he's definitely somebody worth um, showing your respect to, you know. If you have an ancestral shrine, you know what I'm saying, post some, you know what I'm saying, libations out for him. And if you don't got one, still post some libations out for him. Indeed, indeed, I say to our brother. And uh, just to keep it moving, we got a few more topics uh, to get through uh, uh, that we want to spend some time with. So uh, first, let's kind of uh, talk about what's going on with uh, the family of Emmett Till uh-huh. and also the case against the woman responsible for his murder, mm-hmm. Carolyn Bryant. So, uh, you know, just recently, uh, I think maybe earlier this year, there was an Emmett Till anti-lynching bill that you know the democrats were patting themselves on the back for getting passed yeah uh that did indeed pass that made it i think against federal law yeah uh to lynch yeah you know yeah <laughs> really yeah yeah i mean I, I don't 2022 know. <laughs> and you know what i'm saying yeah and so but and i'm pretty sure this is the emmett till it's called the emmett till act right Aki? yeah i'm not tripping on that Emmett Till Act. I'm gonna Google this joint real quick. But at the same, so yeah, it was part. It was passed March 29th, 2022. Mm-hmm. So, isn't it ironic, and really, I think symbolic of just how the co- the contradictions between political symbolism that's paid, you know, what I'm saying hollow symbolism, we could say, yeah, that's paid by the ruling class, especially through the Democratic Party mm-hmm. to African American people, to I say to to new Africans. And uh, the reality, you know, so when, so earlier this year as well, and we reported on this, I think, on a podcast a few episodes ago, uh, they, you know, some people went through the basement of a Mississippi police department. Yeah. Uh, and found their arrest warrant for the woman uh, that was responsible for Emmett Till getting murdered. And, uh, of course, this re-sparked. And I mean, uh, this lit another fire under the ongoing efforts by the Till family mm-hmm. to get this woman arrested for her misdeeds, right? And uh, people's die. I mean, I, there's a I, there's a black. Uh, I I he, I don't know if he's a district attorney or state attorney, but there was a ended up being. I mean, different people that hold office in Mississippi. Yeah, kind of kicking the can down the street. Yeah, not yeah. really commenting. Are basically saying, "Oh, we don't have enough evidence to convict." Mm-hmm. I I doubt that. Yeah. I, I mean, y'all y'all have done more with less. Yeah. Right. But uh, anyways, a black man holding one of these offices secretly, without even letting the the Emmett Till's family know, took the case to a grand jury, and they declined the charge. Mm. Uh, Carolyn Bryant. If yeah. I'm messing up her name, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Uh, but and they declined to charge her. Yeah. So uh, we got the pat like again. Just as a recap, you know, I'm making it dramatic. I'm drawing it out. But as a recap, Emmett Till Act passes, making lynching a federal uh, against federal law. Yeah. The same year that they refused to do any that to, to bring about justice to mm-hmm. the people responsible for the lynching. Man, this Mississippi man, you know they don't function that way. They function as a team down there. You know, Mississippi is old South. So, I mean, you know, it's ironic that they do it at this time. But at the same time, it's also typical. You know, 
that this is the type of politics that, you know what I'm saying, the Democratic Party has sort of been playing for the last couple of years. A lot of symbolic um, gestures and political moves that never really have no substance. What the fuck would give a Like, anti-lynching bill in 2022? Symbolism, my key. Hollow symbolism. 2020. Don't get me wrong. Do black people still get lynched? Yes. Large numbers. I won't say large numbers, but they still do get lynched. But that show how late y'all is as a country. You know? Hell, now most of them scared. They too scared to goddamn try to lynch one of us. You know what I'm saying? We we rolling packs now. The height of lynching was, we're talking about the height of lynching in this country. It's being the 50s and the 60s. A hundred plus years ago. Yeah. A hundred, I mean, it still definitely went on in the 50s and 60s, but that's yeah, still like, a, Yeah, that's, that's still, still a, off. That's still a decline from the height. We're talking you know, about 30s, 40s, <laughs> after 20s. Recon, after not, Reconstruction <laughs> ended and it was really back to the Southern rule. When we was getting terrorists. Come on, Terrorism. Bro. From 1877, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. talking about late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah, we talking that was about the, the we uh you know, there's people that say that's the that's the nadir, right? The lowest point of our history is that uh post of course post slavery. Like this player. Go ahead. When that shit happened, the reason why you got so many people up in the north and out in the west coast right now, you ask them where they come from, where they peoples come from, they're gonna say Mississippi. Louisiana, South Carolina, Georgia, because back then, and they was going up to these places in the early 1910s and 20s, in the late eight, late 1800s. Shit. The terrorism. The terrorism was what made them go down there, let alone from that. When shit didn't work out for them up north, they still didn't want to run back down south because of the terrorism that was down there. It was, either, it was that and the sharecropper field. So, you know what I'm saying? Black people, man, hey, you know, it, it, it's wild. You know what I'm saying that you seeing this right here. You know, I got I got a lot of respect for the family. They still keeping the fight alive. You know, this is damn dead over 50 years ago. Talk about it, Aki. You know, um, but it's something symbolic because I mean not symbolic, but it's something important because Emmett Till had a, made a change. It changed something with Black America. You know, we knew a little boys getting lynched, and we little little boys getting people, grown men and grown women getting lynched and hung and raped. But when we seen that image, that did something. It's no different than right now how we use media to show all these officers whooping people's asses and choking them out and shit. That caused the uproar around the world and in the hoods because it's one thing to know that officers whoop ass; it's another thing to see them do it. You know, right. another thing to see him kick a black man in the face or choke a black man out or something like that or shoot a black man while he's jogging type shit like that. Or shoot a black, shoot a black brother or, or, or attack a killer black brother when he when he went to go get a lemonade and some Skittles. Mm. You know, that type shit. You know what I'm saying? So um, this is definitely something that, um, you know, it just shows, you know, what I'm saying America and Mississippi's true colors. You know, I mean, um, and, and and I'm sort of curious now because you know we we looked at a little trailer, you know. Oh yeah. You know, an Emmett Till trailer. Uh, it's an Emmett Till movie coming out. Um, I'm not sure of the actress's head, the lead actress's name. Um, but um, it's coming out soon. Um, it seems to be, you know, 
like it's going to uh, definitely capture and captivate the black community and the white liberals emotionally. <laughs> um, but isn't this the height, you know what I'm saying? The height of irony and contradiction, though? Like, just off based on what we just described. Yeah. The justice system is not still not allowing justice to be served, but y'all making movies that's going to celebrate... I mean, we watched the trailer, Aki. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a black girl magic movie. It's gonna be celebrating the resiliency, and I, I, I I'm I'm I freely admit, and as we all should, any logical person, Mimi Till, she's a G, a G. Yeah, nothing, nothing taking nothing away from her, you know. But as far as showing this type of trauma in a like black trauma paired next to this black girl magic that is supported by a vicious vampiristic white Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That's inescapable, Aki. So the, in the, the movie's coming October 14th, 2022, entitled Till. Jalen Hall, uh, child actor. I don't know what he's played in before. He's playing Emmett. And Danielle Deadweiler? Weiler? Deadweiler. Danielle Deadweiler is playing, playing Mammy Till. And then Haley Bennett is playing <laughs> is it too much to say that cracker bitch? <laughs> <laughs> no, it ain't too much to say that. Carolyn Bryant. <laughs> okay, dude. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who none of them are. But uh, there you go. In case you. Oh, Whoopi's in the Whoopi's in the in the film. A Whoopi in there playing Alma, Cathan, Carthen. I'm not sure to even what role that is in the movie or the yeah. history. So yeah. Uh, we'll see how they play it. I mean, I'm thinking about another contemporary movie lifting up a courageous black woman in African American history, right? Mm-hmm. Harriet Tubman's movie. Yeah. And that was pig shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was telling my boy Yende about that. The character of Bigger Long, man, being that, that being right the there. the primary antagonist, the mo the person that did the most vicious. Uh, beaten in the movie was a black man. Her biggest antagonist was him. He was chasing her the whole movie. And who saved her? Who saved her for bigger long at the end? The white man. And what did she do after that? Did she shoot the white man? Her her, her slave master that was trying to catch her ass? Nah. She let him go. And then was lead, and then they had her at the front lines of a battle in the Civil War. Bro, it's like they made her soft. But we ain't even I, I don't even want that that made me upset. Cause I actually I got a chance to, I seen that movie and that was like, you know, um, it's one thing, to, and that's something that with this you know with this Emmett Till movie man we we got to start taking our history more sacred, you know, um, when I think about this whole Emmett Till movie, it's painted in this this new interpretation of blackness in America like you know um, and a lot of times that struggle is based on black male death like even though this movement we see this movement gonna you know elevate Mamie Till right. you know it's gonna show her influence in the civil rights movement yeah, and it but, needs to but this is the same white Hollywood that Never is going to admit it's. I mean, 
white society's role in dismantling the civil rights and black power movement. Yeah. So it's like you're going to celebrate this instance of, I guess, success. I mean, it's, it's undoubtable that um, Mammy Till influenced the civil rights movement. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, with how she handled her son's murder. Yeah. In a, in, in a, in a generative way that was, mm-hmm. you know, really taking what was going on with us, not just with Emmett Till, but with so many others. Yeah. And politicized it in a way that was generative for our movement, our people, our struggle, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, that same movement that she inspired was one that was dismantled by the same forces that is now celebrating this instance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's deep. Yeah, it's wild shit. It's, it's wild deep. shit. I mean, you know, we're going to wait for it to come. We're going to see what it is. And uh, hopefully, you know what I'm saying, you know, it, at least be entertaining and, 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 and um, hopefully informed. You know. Yeah, I, I agree. You, and, know. you know, also, bro, something else we learned just in our little bit of study uh, before the meeting. Uh, I'll say our production meeting before the mm-hmm. before the recording. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we learned about what happened to Emmett, Till, Emmett Till's father. Yeah. So Emmett yeah. Till's father died ten years before his son. So Emmett Till dies in '55. Yeah. I think his his father dies in '45. Yep, forty-five. Uh, and you want to tell the people what uh, what went down? Um, pretty much. Lewis Till. I was looking yeah. for his name. Lewis Till. Um, he was lynched. Um, if I recall right, what Paris? Yeah, he was uh, a soldier, uh, U.S. soldier. Yeah. in in uh, Paris, in, um, in in Italy. Uh, I, I think he was killed in Paris. So yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, yep, you right. Go, it, you um. Go. He was uh the incident. He was in Paris, and there was an air raid. He was in the military. There was an air raid on Paris, and it, he was accused of um raping, if I recall right, what two women, him and another African American yeah. soldier, were accused of raping two Italian women and killing one of them. Yeah, and uh, they were hung. Yep. Um. Of course, you know, from what most reports on the story say, it was probably some bogus bullshit. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, yeah, and we just have to imagine that Italy and even the white soldiers in the U.S. military, nobody was happy besides those certain Italian women and those black American soldiers about yeah. their union. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And those Italian women seeing something that they ain't seen, and them African-American soldiers seen something that they ain't seen. Yeah. And uh, them coming together made things very anxious. Yeah. You know, this is at a time in U.S. history. We're talking, talking about the 40s, bro. Yeah, this World War Two. So, you know what I'm saying? This, this is before... This is... <laughs> yeah, this is World War Two right here. So, it's something definitely serious. Um, you know, but that's just something to think about. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I couldn't reckon with that. Yeah. You know, so... so and, and it was... And what we read, the article we read, talked about how... It was already. It was known. It was felt in the air that certain black soldiers was going to pay. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. for the transgression of all these African American soldiers on these European women. Yeah. And uh, the writer that that wrote a book on it, I think it's called the Lewis Till File. Mm-hmm. Is the name of the book. I forget the author's name. My apologies. But yeah, he said that uh, before anybody even looked at any evidence, before anything was collected. Before people even knew his name, 
the, the names of the, the the convicted, they were hung. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you know, U.S. military on foreign ground, they can move fast. Yeah. They got jurisprudence. They got judicial type of authority that sur- surpasses, you know, what's going on in, in civilian courts. I mean, well, you know, you're talking about 1940s Paris, um, where, yeah, and maybe Paris, and, and you're talking about bombing. You're talking about um, Italian. It's just, it's just all, it was all bad. He was killed by the U.S. Army. Yeah, you know, yeah. Not by Paris authorities. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we never know what what really happened, right? I, I I don't believe the U.S. Army story. I mean, I just say this. You know what I'm saying? It's just a tragedy that he died that way and his son died that way. Right. Um. You know, shout out. You know, to um, Mamie Till, the Till family, and um. I shade to, you know what I'm saying, Emmett and his father, Lewis, you know. Um, America ain't changed. <laughs> Let's just say it like that. They still do the same fuckery that they always been doing. But, uh, you know, just to segue into the next subject, you know what I'm uh, saying? And I, yeah, about the next subject. I know we, we are going to touch on... Uh, some of the, the new developments and on uh, reparations in California, but I want to stay on. We're talking about lynch culture. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying. And uh, this didn't we didn't make this connection in the produ- the pre-production meeting. We're making it live. Yeah. Uh, now we want to talk about something contemporary. Uh, but even before we get to that, we know when lynching was going down in this country. This this was. And I, I, I'm not even being dramatic here, Aki. I, I'm just describing it. This was American entertainment. Yeah. This was a part. This was a part, especially of Southern American historical experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? When we talk about lynching. Yeah. And uh, there were thousands of lynchings, thousands upon thousands of mm-hmm. re- of recorded lynchings. Yeah. Many of these promoted in papers. Yeah. You go to the lynch. You go to the lynching as a white person. You gonna see some uh, some food wagons. Yeah. Right. You gonna see people selling sandwiches. <laughs> food trucks is out there, huh? That food trucks is out there. You know what I'm saying? You got the DJ is bumping. Exactly. People. Yeah. They people up there singing. on the banjo, getting it in. Jubilant. You know you what know? I'm saying? This is a community event. You know. People people are chartering trains to get to the lynching. Yeah, I got to go see this shit. You know, they, they hype. The, there are communities, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we got the caravan leaving at, <laughs> be at the local church. We're going to travel to the neighboring town for a lynching. Yeah, yeah. All that. Yeah. After church, in the paper. And we know, we we don't even need to talk about the brutality of what took place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We don't even need to mention that. Mm-hmm. But I will mention they collected body parts. Yes. They melted... Our, Corpses into Greece. Yeah. Distributed the grease. Some people ingested the grease, right? They displayed body parts in the um stores. And photos and uh damn, we digital age as fuck. What is it called? You know what I'm saying? It's like a it's like a photo, but it's a piece of mail. Postcard. Postcards. Yes. Of lynchings. Yeah. 
So photos of dead black men, primarily bl- black men, we're talking about yeah. getting lynched. So that that's the introduction. That's the bridge, right? Of Emmett Till's lynching, lynch culture, and this next topic. The fact that white society has this perverse fascination with paraphernalia associated with our death. Yeah. So, unfortunately, we bringing this up to talk about what happened with NBA legend Kobe Bryant. We heard murmurs, rumors immediately afterward, after his tragic death in 2020, about photos taken by on-scene police and paramedic, whatever, professionals. Photos being leaked from the crash scene, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Being distributed. Yeah. And now, two years later, as those cases have advanced now through the courts... Uh, we're getting more news about that, Aki. So, uh, why don't you jump in here? Uh, I don't know if you got the article pulled up or just want to respond. Uh, but yeah, Aki, we're talking about the distribution uh, of photos of Kobe Bryant's body, corpse, after the fiery crash. Mm. Well... It makes me think of this photo that they have of a black man after he was lynched. They were burning him on a pile. And it's ironic that the photo was taken in Indiana. And now you see photos of, or you hear, because we heard, I haven't seen any photos, but we hear that there are photos of Kobe's burnt body being circulated around um, from what is stated you know this was at a party where this was being done with police officers I think maybe some detectives but I think mostly just police officers um, there isn't a there is a one an eroticism with black male death but also something ritualistic with 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 the death of black people to the point that it's like passed around like uh valuable you know what I'm saying valuable you know uh products and shit you know what I'm saying oh shit check this out look what I Hey, I'm going to say, look, the lynching of black men, lynch culture surrounding black, the black male, is to white America what the pilgrimage, Mecca, is to Islam and Muslims. I mean, on one hand, we know that amongst some white men, especially in clan culture, to kill another black man or to witness a lynching was sort of like initiation for your son to the cause. You know, um, it's totally disrespectful. Now, don't get me wrong. Kobe was a basketball player. You know, um, but at the same time, a basketball player 
at one point is of his career accused of what? Raping a white woman. And Key fact here. Yeah. And uh you know, regardless of how many championships he brought the Lakers, there's always gonna be that community and group of white folks who say, He did it. I know he did it. You know. Um so this is uh, just to touch on the article briefly. You know, uh, Luella Werther. I'm, I know I'm pronouncing her last name. It's, it's yeah. I ain't gonna touch on that. Uh, a former paramedic and wife of Los Angeles firefighter, Luella stated in her testimony that LA Fire Captain Tony and Brenda shared photos of Brian's remains and other images from the crash site. And this is an article uh, on the route. Now this is uh, this quote. This is an excerpt from a CNN uh, article right here on the subject. After a small group of people at her table convened to look at images on a cell phone in what Werder characterized as being like a party trick, she testified about seeing one firefighter break away from the group saying, quote, I can't believe I just looked at Kobe's burnt up body and now I'm about to eat. Wow. The article goes on. Werder, Werder also states that in Brenda's wife invited her to check out the photos. She was, quote, she was like excited trying to get us to come look at them, Werder told the courtroom. Quote, she said it multiple times. While the verbal exchange occurred, Werder added that she overheard another L.A. County fire captain make a joke about the images. He said, uh, also it goes on to talk about about 25 images there was uh deputy doug johnson right he documented the entire scene on his personal cell phone mm. he said he did that because he was not issued uh uh agency phone or a camp but what about camera that's also what i'm thinking yeah, I'm about like yeah he said he said because he was not issued a work phone so you're saying your job is to document crash sites and then on they, your phone and they don't give you a camera you don't need no phone you can just do it with a camera aki Right? So you just got dead bodies all in your phone. And he says, he claimed, this. Uh, Johnson goes on to claim, quote, it was common practice to text close-up photos of dead bodies to other deputies. And he had received numerous similar photos throughout his career without ever being disciplined. What kind of shit is this? So he, he, this is on the scene somebody taking these photos and distributing them just because it's their culture to do that. Well, maybe that's a sick-ass culture. Like I said, they, they, they it's like a... They looked at it like something valuable. I got Kobe Bryant. I got pictures of Kobe Bryant at the... Why he dead? In, 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 at, at the site. I got pictures of him. You know? And I'm, just, and I'm not just gonna put that sometimes on them because I'm gonna keep it real. Niggas was like that with Tupac. <laughs> They was like they were big. You know what I'm saying? But it just showed how that shit is so entrenched with the police department. You know? Which makes sense. Hey, I mean, I'm, I'm nothing surprises me about white supremacy in America. It makes perfect sense. You know? It speaks to the, 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 the how they view us. The humaneness of how they of how they see human life. But specifically, black life. Yeah. Mm. 
The police officer that took the photos went on to say, uh, quote, I know I didn't do anything wrong. He testified, adding that he does not regret what he did and wouldn't have done anything differently. So, you know, there you have it, you know. Uh, I agree with everything you said, Aki. Uh, it's a continuation of lynch culture, this uh, glorification, fascination, need, want. I want to say homoeroticism, but it's... I'm, I'm off on words. I think that that undergirds the the internal like processes that you know yeah, it, it, that, yeah. that influences this fascination, influences the you know the need to you know uh, kill off that that part of you that you can't confront. Yeah, you know, uh, talking about this white patriarchy. It's a sad thing, but it's America. It's America, Aki. It's yeah. America. Uh, just to keep it rolling, you know what I'm saying? We ain't going to spend too much time on that. I think we got we got it across. But let's go on and move on to our last segment of today, Aki. Uh, we're talking about uh, Governor Newsom over in California ah. signed a law for black Americans to be identified as a separate group to help support lineage-based reparations. Okay. So California passed a bill that... Uh, let me make sure I click on the right one. Uh, California passed a bill for that state. Said that, quote, this is a press release from the Coalition for a Just and Equitable California. For the first time in California and American history, and American history, a specific category of data collection will be required for African Americans who are descendants of persons enslaved in the United States and living in California, starting with the state's 2.5 million employees. Uh, it continues, for the first time since Reconstruction, the political status of American freedmen is being recognized by the state of California. And it's going to have three different subgroups for black uh, and African-American people. Uh, one, first one is African-Americans who are descendants of persons who were enslaved in the United States. Category two, blacks who are not descendants of persons who were enslaved in the United States, including but not limited to African blacks, Caribbean blacks, and others. Number three is unknown or choose not to identify. Hmm. Now, I think there's some people, key that oppose this type of move yeah. as if it's something that is going to be a deciding factor in the division or unity, uh, the pan-African division or unity between yeah. us and the rest of the diaspora, us and the continent. Yeah. I don't see it that way. No. Nah. I see it as uh, a needed type of, uh, a needed category, a needed thing to politicize and, and politically strategize around, you know, and we can walk and chew gum at the same time, basically, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We can, I think this is, I, I see it as a, a crucial aspect yeah. of us participating uh, and pan-African politics And I'm talking about The crucial aspect being Not just You know The separate Personhood Separate You know Us being a Recognized as a unique group With a unique history In this reparations debate Yeah But also just generally We, we have to engage in black In what I would say New African nationalist politics Yeah Not just black nationalists Because as we've seen That can That can get muddy That's not defined enough yeah. You know what I'm saying? There are people that are born and raised, died generations on the African continent that see themselves as black, which they should. I'm not I'm not debating if they should or not. But uh, we need a specific destination 
mm-hmm. for what we've been through. You know what I'm saying? As descendants of enslaved Africans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Aki. I'll let you jump in. I, I mean, um, I'm definitely in agreement with it. Um, I used to always think sometimes, and sometimes I still had this thought that I said I would say that if black people got reparations, it would force you to have to have or become a nation. It would force you to become a, your own group. If you want to keep them. Yeah, because you're going to have to distinguish yourself from other people. You got to distinguish. You got to be able to distinguish yourself. So I'm I'm in favor of it. It needs to be extended across the whole country. It's not a knock on our blackness or our Africanness. Um, it's a justice claim. And look, even our look, not just in our relationship with the United States in terms of justice claims, mm-hmm. but even in the coalitions that we form with other groups of African like uh, African nations. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, like good go example, you got um the Caribbean. You got CARICOM in the Caribbean. They're um coming up, they have a reparations package that's trying to get pushed through for them toward some of um the European countries, specifically Britain. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't include us. You know what I'm saying? But as a pan-African, I support them. Mm-hmm. Um they got the state. They were getting some of this. They were getting. They was on the plantation. You right. know, it was just that their um, enslaver was different than mine. And th- this this shows the need of us having a, a national structure for New African, like a, a, a national political structure for New Africa. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, whether it's something an expansion of the Republic of New Africa or mm. something new that bears the same mission. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because. Uh, it can't just be this elitist game uh, like the most elite African Americans are going to be who you know speaks as our voice yeah. right it has to be democratic so we need a national structure to understand and garner what the national will of us is yeah you know what I'm saying like uh, like yeah we need that national democratic structure for New Africa bro for us to have useful like truly useful uh coalitions and al- and and uh allyship political allyship economic allyship with other african nations i mean now, i think they're kind of waiting for us to to show that we can't just be under the thumb tugging at the shirt the little kid tugging at the shirt of white america yeah asking for a handout asking for change yeah you know you know white america is not going to tell us to do it and they're actively influencing us not to do it yeah by you know assimilating you know certain groups i mean i think that you know um, we're going to have, we already have, you know, internal factors that, that throws, um, a monkey wrench in this. Um, I think that, um, you know, this reparations movement, this reparations call has been something that's been sort of a hot topic lately. Um, I'm, I'm sort of glad that it is, you know, but um, in that we have to be mindful of the things that could, you know, take place. Like we've had uh, schisms within the reparation movement. Um, we have had ADOS. Um, we've had, you know, what I'm saying in Cobra. Um, and we have some people who feel that we don't even deserve reparations. Um this is one of those things that you know what I'm saying we have to promote more put it out here more 
you know, we have a we have a legitimate justice claim, um, but it's more than just a justice claim. You know, um, a lot of people tried to run away from nationhood, Aki. And what they don't understand is that that reparation is going to force them to be a nation. Whether you like it or not, you know what I'm saying? You're going to have to, either you do or you don't. Now, you know, in the comments of it, I've heard some stuff, you know, I've seen a story of this on, you know, they was tweeting, and, you know, in the comments, some people was like, you know what I'm saying? Well, you know, what about the people that um, um, weren't African and and... and you know, because, you know, you got an aboriginal movement and some people don't even believe we came from Africa. So, you know, you have them, you know, we just can't get sidetracked with none of this shit. You know, um, the reparations come from the enslavement and the aftermaths of the enslavement. If you're saying you were on the plantation, that means they ain't got shit to do with you. You shouldn't be talking. That's how I look at it now. You know what I'm saying? Um, I haven't have felt any flack from any African about us getting reparations. I hadn't heard that. I hadn't ran across that, and I hadn't been then spoke about it amongst plenty of them. I hadn't spoke to no Caribbean or anybody of that such nature, a person from the island of South America, who didn't had a problem with black people getting reparations. I think they are waiting for us, Ike, to go ahead and step on out. You know, um, but, uh, hey, too many people with platforms, too many people with, you know, in organizing spaces. Mm-hmm. Too many black folk, you know what I'm saying, in at, at the academy or in nonprofit spaces, they're focused on coalition building, yeah, and not these revolutionary nationalist politics, and primarily because they don't want that white money that they rely on to dry up, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? They they gotta maintain, you know what I'm saying, this goodwill with even the white left that they are seeking coalitions with. Yeah. That uh, are antag- usually antagonistic to uh, new African revolutionary nationalism. So uh, it is a minefield, you know what I'm saying, we're walking through. But uh, we got to get the mind, the mind sweepers, you know, uh, recharged yeah. and retuned, you know what I'm saying, and uh, really start having these debates and conversations about our identity yeah. and how it needs to be politicized. Not just, you know what I'm saying, all these conversations about identity now just all over the place. Yeah. Unable to be wielded into a political weapon. Yeah. We need to create a political weapon that unites us. Yeah. And uh, that's what new African nationalism can offer us. You know. I mean, you know, um, it's funny. You know, and you know, I hate to have to say it like this, but in all of those arguments, they all still act like niggas. What I mean by it is they still got the, the, the general ways. They come from the same shit we come from. You know what I'm saying? Come from the same culture. Y'all have said you can put on something or came under some new understanding and you become something else. But that common denominator of us being here all of this time, you know, I asked you, was your people sharecroppers? You said, well, no, nah, they wasn't sharecroppers. My people was never slaves. Okay. <laughs> you know, and I let it be there. You know, um, we got to push this more. You know, I'm for it. I, I think that it's going to be something that's going to force people to have to do something. Now. You're going to have to be able to identify who you are, what you say you are. Um, we we have the right to a, um, a delineation 
and the distinction as a group of people like any other group of Africans, you know, while still remaining majority African. We are African people, but we are new African people. Because when we came out of slavery, we were a new African people. We wasn't the same because that we went in there as. We went in there various different groups. We went in there various different ethnicities, blood circles and tribes and clans or whatever you want to call it. And when we came out, we came out as this. You know, and this is just what it is. You know, um, whatever you were before that, yes, you can try to go and find it. And, and, and maintain the remnants and hold on to that, but you came out different. Ain't no future that we survive where we continue on as individuals and the American melting pot, or we try to continue as people of color. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're not leveraging our unique culture, our unique history, you know what I'm saying? The hand that we was dealt and, and how we played is everything. I mean, the thing is, is this, you know, we dealing with the issue of we, we this forces nationalism, but then these same folks are the same ones talking about they American. They in the the integration and the assimilation is not the key, you know. Um, one of the main reasons that have kept us from that nationalizing nation nationhood aspect is that we've had that that conflict amongst ourselves with separation or integration, assimilation. Or nationhood. We've had that issue, you know what I'm saying? We battled with that internally to see, you know, to, to try to fed. Well, what should we be? What should we do? You know, are we just invested here? Do we have some connection? It's not even about necessarily having a connection to Africa in the sense of we do have a connection to Africa. We should form those bonds. But it's really still a separateness that you maintain here within America. Every other group of people, when they come to America, we can try to play it like they Uncle Thomas and all that other type of shit. But when you see them functioning around each other, they function as a separate and distinct group. Mm-hmm. And they prosper from it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have to function as a separate and distinct group, and you can prosper from it. As long as you're trying to integrate, you get caught up in that matrix. You still get caught up in that capitalist USA matrix, and it ain't shit in there for you. You got to have a culture. You know what I'm saying? This right here can start things, but no, it only did. It only happened in one state. You know, mm-hmm. I'll be convinced when I see Mississippi do it. Right. No, I'm I'm right there with you, Aki. I think this is uh, uh, an example that, in some some sense, has got to be followed and got to be leveraged, debated. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's why I'm, I'm happy we're talking about it on the podcast. Hope some of our comrades take it on too. And you know what I'm saying? And forget all of the theorization around the conversation. Yeah. You know, all these theories and, and, and gray areas and feelings, you know what I'm saying? We got to set all that to the side. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is something that can lead to, you know, I think it's a building block towards something very positive yeah. with the descendants of slavery in the United States. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, uh, I, think, I, I think I can leave it there. Uh, anything you want to add before we finish up today? Um, nah, Key. I think I'm good. Great episode today, bro. I right. appreciate you, man. All right. Peace. Peace.